0: The Bible talks a lot about courage and um, it talks it right the way through in the book of Joshua. Some of you will remember Joshua in the battle of Jericho. um, Three times in Joshua chapter 1, God says, Be strong and courageous. Um, you know, right through the Bible, I think 365 times it is, "Do not fear." Uh, the Bible says to the people of Israel um, in the in the wilderness, were are often told to have courage. And in the Book of Isaiah, um, God says, "You know, don't don't fear. I am with you." You know, courage is a massive, massive theme. But you know, today is Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday is the day that we celebrate. The start or the beginning of the church as we know it, the early church on the day of Pentecost. In fact, let me give you a little bit of a, an advertisement tonight. If any of you are free tonight at 7 o'clock and BCC, in, in Birmingham City Church, right in the middle of Birmingham, there, there's a United Elam Church Pentecost service, which I'm involved with as well tonight. Uh, and so that's at 7 o'clock. If you want to come along, you'd be very welcome. But what I want to do this morning before we both get into the theme together, we want to set it up. We're going to go back and we're going to track the story. Of Pentecost, which was not 20 years after Jesus died, and it wasn't two years, it was two months. So it's right on the back of Jesus dying, being crucified, rose again from the dead, ascending into heaven. Two months later, we want to pick it up. Now, the people that were the early followers of Jesus, they saw Jesus resurrected, but they also saw that some people killed him. That the Jews and the Romans kind of collaborated. And so when we pick up the story, they're kind of, they know that Jesus has been risen from the dead. But they still know that other people killed him. Okay. And so they're huddling in fear. And interestingly enough, when they're huddling together, there's men and women. Can I hear an amen? Getting Pentecostal on you there on the day of Pentecost. There were men and women. There were names and no names. There were introverts and extroverts. I can't prove that, but I know that because basically 48% of the world are introverts and, or something like that, it half and half. So they were introverts and extroverts, men and women, people with names and people with no names. And then this happens, this happens. Go to the, so when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Next, right. they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire Not that they were actually, but they seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest. Listen, on each of them, say each of them, men and women, names and no names, introverts and extroverts, on each of them, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Then what happened is they were filled with such a boldness and courage that they went out and began to change the world. And on that day, 3,000 people came to put their trust in Jesus. But that became a threat to the establishment and they were called before the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin uh, was a, a combination of Sadducees, lawyers, Pharisees and scribes. These were the, the uh, political, intellectual, um, ecclesiological, it's a big word, uh, might of, of the community. And they came together and they basically said, we don't like what you're doing. This is a threat to us. We will not tolerate it any longer. Let me make an aside. We are living in incredibly intolerant days in our culture. We talk all about tolerance, but tolerance is okay unless you have a view different from what the culture defines as the accepted view. And then all of a sudden it's intolerant. And we need to understand we're living in very difficult days to be a Christian. Now, we're not living in persecution like they're living in other parts of the world. But we're living in a kind of persecution, not like that, but, but one of culture and one of worldviews. And I won't go too far into that. So, so, but they pull these people together and, and they question these early disciples. And this is what happens. This is such a beautiful verse. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realised that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men... Had been with Jesus. Now that's only Peter and John, but obviously we know that there's a whole load of other people, men and women, names and no names, introverts and extroverts, and when they saw their courage, they were impacted. Not when they heard their eloquence, not when they marveled at their intellect, but when they saw their courage. And then they got them together and they basically threatened them and they said, listen, you need to shut up or else. You need to shut up or else. And these are the guys. Hey, we're the guys that killed your master. You need to shut up or else. And so what they did is that they left the Sanhedrin because they were released with this threat, shut up or else. And what they did was they huddled together. You see, you'll never find courage on your own. Very rarely. Actually, huddling together is really important when you want to develop a habitude of courage. We'll talk about that later. And then they began to pray. So they saw these guys kill their master and then they're pulled in and they're put in prison and then they're interrogated and then they're threatened and they say, listen, you've got to shut up or else. If you and I were then going into a prayer meeting, how would we pray? I think I would pray, Lord, keep me safe. Protect me. Help me live comfortable, safe life. Here's the thing. You can have comfort or you can have courage, but you can't have both. And this is what they prayed. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Next one. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit again and spoke the word of God boldly. Listen, courage got them into jail. When they came out of jail, what they prayed for was more. Courage. Isn't that amazing? I wonder how many of you need courage this morning. Men and women. Names and no names. Introverts and extroverts. And having courage does not mean you don't have fear because scared is what you're feeling, but brave is what you're doing. And what Alice and I want to do is we want to look at this from a different angle and from some different dynamics we want to comment it a little bit differently this morning see courage is not a one-size-fits-all deal what's courage for you may not be courage for me what's courage sometimes for men may not be for women what's courage for introverts may not be for extroverts courage begins when we debunk some of the myths about courage and the first myth that Alison is going to look at is courage is only for action men So clearly by now you
1: all know that Leon is absolutely an action man. (laughs) Okay, do you remember Action Man? Hands up those of you that remember Action Man. Did you have an Action Man? Okay, now we've got to be clear about this. Action Man was an action figure for boys. It wasn't a doll, was it? No, Action Man wasn't a doll. Because dolls are just for girls. Yes, yes, okay, but we all know it really was a doll. One of the things that, um, that I've been looking at is that Action Man, his design actually was tweaked over the years to fit the, the kind of identity of men through the ages. So you might have collected all of these Action Men. So apparently in the early 70s, Action Man gained flocked hair. Anyone have a flocked hair, Action Man? Okay, and then later on in the mid-70s, he got eagle eyes and a dynamic physique, What do you think he got in the 80s? A tan. In the 80s he got a tan. Well, he's now classed as a vintage toy, so clearly no one can avoid the aging process. But what were the enduring features of Action Man? Well, it was battle gear, guns, the ability to fight. He was always a soldier. He was always brave. Female dolls, on the other hand, were designed to be not much more than beautiful clothes horses. No weapons, no expectation to fight, just handbags, shoes, kitchen sets, and pushchairs. Now, this isn't a talk about gender stereotypes in the last 50 years, as interesting as that might be, for me at least anyway. But actually, it's about recognition that times have changed. The roles of men and women have changed. I wouldn't dream of asking Leon to do any DIY in our house. But he does most of the cooking. So, things have changed. We're more flexible now, and women and men enjoy much greater equality today, here in the UK at least, than we've ever had before. Although that's not true still in many countries. And even in the UK, we've got some areas where we need to still improve, don't we? But there are some qualities which seem to remain stubbornly aligned to gender. And it's really important that we don't step into stereotyping men or women in terms of thinking, capability, or behavior. Because the truth is, we all need courage in our lives. But it will look different for each of us. So I've been looking at some research, because that's the kind of stuff I like to do. And according to research uh, involving some very fancy things, like brain scanning and loads of psychological studies, there do remain some distinct differences between men and women due to developmental roles over time, but also the combination of different, guess what, hormones. Yes, they are real. And they do act in different combinations for men and women, which does shape who we become. And sometimes this can lead us into a misinterpretation of reality. Men and women are both similar, but we are also quite different. So, for example, here's some of the things my research... uh, led me to discover, boys are more likely to take risks. So, when facing hazardous situations in hyper-realistic simulation experiments, boys report feeling excited. Girls report feeling... Girls? Scared. Okay. And in adulthood, males are more likely to overestimate their ability, while women often... (laughs) Oh, that's got to be the women laughing there, yeah. It's absolutely true. Men overestimate their ability, while women underestimate both their ability and their worth. And one study in America showed that men graduating with exactly the same business degree, on average, earned $4,000 more than their female counterparts. Now, interestingly enough, this wasn't because of any sinister, sexist agenda. It was because only 4% of women asked for a raise, while 57% of men asked for that raise and got it. In another study, it was reported that when looking for work, men will apply for positions for which they fulfill approximately 60% of the criteria. The other 40%, they kind of think, do you know what, I'll figure that bit out once I get the job. That will be okay. Okay. But for women, it's absolutely the opposite. Women generally won't even put a job application in unless they are cast-iron sure they can do 100% of that role. Now, I'm not sure if many of you watch The Great British Menu. I can sense your excitement at the thought of this. You can see the very exciting activity that takes place in our house. But one of the things that we love to do is we love to watch The Great British Menu. And we were watching this last series, and one of the things that struck us really powerfully was that When the male chefs were asked, how would you rate your food, they all said 10 out of 10. If they were feeling a little bit uncertain, they'd say, oh, maybe a nine. What did the women chefs do? They walked in, uh, well, six or maybe a seven, something like that. They scored themselves lower. They only scored themselves a seven, even if they were taking a risk. Now, before we get carried away with the positive association with being a man there is a downside to men's natural overestimation of their ability because it leads to increased risk-taking behaviour, which also means that men are more likely to die as a result of accidents than women. So it's not all good. There's something to be said for being a little bit more cautious there. But why is that? Well, it's because boys are more likely to do dangerous things, less likely to listen to warnings, and less likely to tell someone if they've had an accident. That's absolutely true which is why there's a greater accident rate. So what's all this got to do with us and the courage of Jesus' followers? How does this possibly connect into the text? Well, if we go back to Acts verse one, Acts 1, verse 14, they all joined together. They all joined together. It wasn't just the men. It wasn't just the women. They all joined together constantly in prayer. This was a moment in time when they all needed courage. They were all in the same vulnerable situation. They all needed to be brave, but understood that they would be stronger together. Combining their natural abilities, experiences, perspectives, faith, and prayers led them to become an incredible group of people who were so effective um, that amazing things happened in the days after this text. Now, we could spend a long time debating what courage looks like for men and what it looks like for women, but I suspect that we would be as much surprised by the similarities as we would be by the differences. Being courageous doesn't mean being an action man or an action woman. Of course, it takes a lot of courage to run into a burning building or to stand in front of someone holding a weapon, but courage isn't this narrowly defined stereotypical masculine trait but it's one exhibited by men and women in lots of big and small ways throughout life. I've been uh, really moved by listening to some of the D-Day testimonies of of soldiers who who fought in the war. And um, there was a really great moment where there was a lovely chap who was a veteran and somebody said to him, oh, you know, that was so heroic, that was so brave. And he said, actually, I don't consider it brave at all. I don't think I was a hero. I did nothing heroic. There was a job that needed doing, and if I didn't do it, I knew lots of people would be let down. And I just thought, oh my goodness. Now, I have to say, I still think that that was far more than simply doing a job. I think that was brave, and it was heroic. But it's not just as narrowly defined as that. That expression of, bravery, of courage isn't the only expression of bravery. It definitely takes courage to stand up for what you think is right, and defend people who are abused, excluded, and rejected, But it also takes courage to continue working hard and acting with integrity in a hostile work environment or in a challenging home situation. And there will be situations in all of our lives when we're called to be courageous and we need to be prepared to step outside of our gender stereotypes. It's not just men who can take risks. Some of us today, both men and women, need to recognize the call of God has has on our lives and we haven't had the courage yet to step into it, well, maybe now's the time. Men, maybe you need to put aside the idea that talking about things that don't go well demonstrates weakness. Perhaps listen to warnings a little more closely, or maybe ask for help sooner. Women, maybe it's time for us to stop underestimating our abilities. Maybe we do feel fear more acutely, maybe not. But we need to realize that we often limit ourselves and limit each other. Now, this is a word just for the women. This will probably be lost on the men. But the truth is, it is a bit harder for girls, isn't it? It is a bit more tricky. So I've been reading this book on women in leadership. And uh, there's a really helpful chapter in it that talks about the dilemmas of a speaker trying to figure out what to wear on a Sunday. And the truth is, it's really easy for boys, isn't it? They just put on a pair of jeans and they think, which shirt am I going to wear today? Because there's really not that much choice. It's jeans and a shirt. It's fairly universal. we have steered away from the checks today, but we're we're on flowers. But for women, do you know what? It's a whole lot more complicated because we do have a concern about what we look like. Because the truth is, women do criticize each other and evaluate each other, as do men, more by the way we look so you know my internal dialogue is is that going to be see-through with the lights behind me okay is that going to gape if I lean forward when I come to sit on that stool is it all going to go terribly wrong these are the things that sometimes preoccupy us and ladies you know how critical we can be of each other sometimes maybe it's partly because our perception is that there are fewer opportunities for women So we have to compete harder in order to gain them. What we don't realize is that there is no need for competition, not from God's perspective. There is more than enough opportunity for all of us. He has a plan and a purpose for each of us that doesn't depend on anyone else's success or failure. As women, too often we let the secondary things stop us from taking a risk, stepping out, doing something God is calling us into, because we're afraid. Our feet become stuck on the sticky floor of our own limited expectation. Just imagine who we could become in Jesus, the influence we could have if we fully gave our lives over to God to do whatever he asked us to do. We need to look beyond our gender stereotypes, the roles that we've consciously or unconsciously slipped into, and understand that fear might be what we're feeling, But brave is what we're doing.
0: Great. So that's the first myth. The second myth that we want to just look at, and we're going to have to move through to get to it, is courage is only courage when it's seen. I think sometimes, you know, our culture celebrates uh, what's seen, celebrates the stage, celebrates extroverts. You know, many people, uh, I've had lots of people say to me, oh, I could never do what you're doing, getting up onto stage. And sometimes people say, are you nervous? I'm always nervous. I'm always nervous, and um, it's a funny thing, but I do what I do because I feel God's called me, but here's the thing, courage isn't just getting on the stage. In fact, I think some of the most courageous people never get on a stage at all. They're never seen at all. They never have a name at all. They're never put on a screen at all, but they're incredibly courageous people. Let me illustrate it for you. Anyone heard of Anne Frank? I wonder if you've heard of Maip My, My, Gies. No, interesting. Mike G's is the lady who owned the house and gave the diary to Anne Frank, but you never heard of her. Wonder anyone ever heard of Billy Graham? Mordecai Ham, never heard of him. He was the guy that preached the night when a 17-year-old teenager called Billy Graham gave his life to Jesus. Ever heard of Oscar Schindler? What about Nicholas Winton? Some of you will. You see, Oscar Schindler, we've heard of him. He rescued hundreds of kids out of Nazi uh, Germany because they made a film of him, Schindler's List. Nicholas Winton, 669 children from the Czech Republic were spared and saved because he got them out. But no one's ever made a film of Nicholas Winton. What about Rosa Parks? Anyone heard of Rosa Parks? That black lady that sat on the bus and wouldn't move in segregation. It kicked off a lot of the civil rights things. Who you probably haven't heard of is Claudette Colvin, who was 15 and was the first black girl forcibly removed for resisting bus segregation. She was scorned by her own community. She did that nine months before Rosa Parks did what she did. But we've heard of Rosa Parks because she's seen and celebrated and rightly so. But I want to say courage is not just what is seen. Courage is often what is unseen. And I want to say to you, those of you that care for people, those of you who are carers, you are incredibly courageous. Those of you that come alongside and help people, you know, in our own church, I've just been reminded this week, we have more and more children with additional needs and many of you help and you're never seen and you're never on a stage and most people in the church will never know your name. You're absolute heroes. You're absolute heroes because week in, week out, you are courageous and you work with children and you help families in, in incredible, incredible ways. And I want to say, and I, I don't want to get emotional, I want to celebrate my wife. She doesn't know I'm saying this, but she's not often seen on this stage. But I'll tell you what, everything that I do is, is, is largely down to God and largely down to the support and encouragement that I get from her. And she never does it for that, she just does it because we're called and we love each other. But often she's not the seen one, I'm the seen one, but she's the one who does a lot of the work She's so courageous in the way that she gives, and many of you are courageous and you're not seen. I want to say you are seen because Jesus sees you. You are seen because Jesus sees you. So that's two of the common myths. So we got to. That's the introduction. So we're gonna have to motor for the next bit. All right, just a little, a little hint there. Okay, that's two of the common myths. Here's an incredible verse in 1 Chronicles 28. David continued, "Be strong and courageous, and do the work." Don't be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord my God is with you. Now, he's talking in the context of building the temple. But it's an interesting phrase. Be strong and courageous. Do the work. You ain't going to be courageous without doing some work. So what does the work of building a habitude of courage look like? Two things. Firstly, it requires a choice again and again and again.
1: Did you like that very subtle hint? So, how do we start the journey? We've got to have courage to start, haven't we? How do we start on the journey towards being more courageous? Well, as Keith said last week, the first step in changing something to develop a new habitude is to start. You have to start somewhere and in some way. And my guess is that that'll be scary in the beginning. Another veteran of the D Day landings, um, refreshingly, when somebody said to him, How did you feel? he said, I was terrified. And I think that's probably the truth of it. He was terrified, but do you know what? He got out of the boat and he went up the beach anyway. Being terrified doesn't stop us. Now, there's a great story in Numbers about a man who had five daughters. That sounds like quite a challenge by itself, doesn't it? Um, And is it going to come up? Great, brilliant. So, one day, a petition was presented by the daughters of, I've chosen a thing with every difficult name you can imagine, Zalofiad. Zalofiad. Marla, Noah, Hogla, Milka, and Terza. Their father, Zalophiad, was a descendant of Hefer, son of Gilead, son of Machir, son of Manasseh, son of Joseph. These women stood before Moses, Eleazar the priest, the tribal leaders, and the entire community at the entrance of the tabernacle. Our father died in the wilderness, they said. He was not among Korah's followers who rebelled against the Lord. He died because of his own sin but he had no sons. Why should the name of our father disappear from his clan just because he had no sons? Give us our property with the rest of our relatives. Wow, they were quite some women, weren't they? As well as having quite a bunch of strange names. The daughters at that time were left unable to continue the family name or inherit any property left. Now, they could have just accepted their lot and disappeared into the community. But look what they did instead. They stood before Moses, the priest, the tribal leaders, and the entire community at the entrance to the tabernacle. Oh, my goodness. Talk about scary. That's even more scary than standing up here this morning. But they did it anyway. Why did they do it? Because the implications of not doing it were huge. They stood to lose everything. But they also knew that God was just and that they were brave enough to ask. And they didn't even know they were starting something big. But this incident actually led to a monumental change in the law. Because Moses took their request to God and the Lord granted their request. From this point on, daughters were able to inherit. I don't think they knew that was going to be the outcome when they went. But they knew their God. They changed history but they had to make a start. They had to walk towards it. They knew that God was big, and they knew that he was just, and they risked disapproval and rejection for the sake of justice, not only for them, but actually for all of the women that would come after them. This is a situation where they found real courage, and they acted. Now, I haven't got time to talk about examples this morning because he'll start growling at me Um, but if you think about some of your heroes the people you admire most whatever they've done however they did it it all started with an action they had to have a first move they did something my guess is it began with a thought a decision about the fact that they needed to act to do something as many of you know um, I did a parachute jump a few years ago it started with as an idea to raise money for charity it was a great thought Then on the day, I had to act. I had to actually get out of the plane. The difference between a nice idea and raising the funds that we needed was an action. I had to take a step. What about you? Where do you need to take a start? Perhaps you need to stand in front of some scary people, like the daughters of Zalofiad. Maybe you need to ask for something. Maybe you don't need to start speaking up. Maybe you need to start shutting up and listening a little bit more. Perhaps you need to pursue that call God has on your life, even though you feel thoroughly ill-equipped. Stop putting it off. Stop putting off developing the skills and confidence you need. Just do it. Remember, scared is what you're feeling. Brave is what you're doing.
0: So as well as the courage to start, I want to say it also takes courage to stop. And um, the, the story of Samson's an interesting one. Many of you will know the story of Samson, the guy with the long hair and the, and the power uh, and the energy and the strength. But, but actually, Samson had a real weakness for women. And it says in, in uh, um, the Bible, Judges 16, verse 1, One day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. Now, interestingly enough, it, it, it misses out all the detail. You need to understand the detail. Gaza is 25 miles from Samson's hometown. Gaza was the Philistine headquarters where Samson was public enemy number one. When Samson lived, there was no Uber, so he just had to walk, and so he kept walking. But it's 25 miles away from his home. It's 56,250 steps. How do you do the Fitbit? Anyone do the Fitbit? 10,000? It's 56,250 steps. He walked 56,250 steps to d- disaster. He could have stopped any one of those steps, but he didn't. How many steps does it take for you and I to walk towards disaster before we have the courage to stop? What would it look like for some of you this morning? What would you have the courage to stop doing? What about a habit? What about an attitude? What about a relationship? Maybe you're walking. Maybe you've already walked thousands of steps down that road. It's not too late to stop. But are you going to keep walking? Are you going to keep walking? Or are you going to have the courage, actually, to stop? Maybe it's like work. Maybe you're the manager at work and you know that something's unproductive at work and you just keep letting it run and you keep letting it run and it's another step and another step and another step. Or you have the courage to stop. And sometimes we don't have the courage to stop because of fear. But like we're saying to you this morning, scared is what you're feeling, brave is what you're doing.
1: So what else do we need courage for? Actually, sometimes, instead of the courage to stop, we need the courage to continue. Sometimes we hear stories like the one I mentioned earlier about Zalofiad's daughters, and it all sounds really easy. You do one thing and the shape of the world changes. Wouldn't that be great? Sometimes that's true, but that's not always true. The truth is bringing about lasting change, developing new habitudes can be messy and things can seem worse before they uh, get better. So last week I decided, it's not come on yet which is quite good, last week I decided to jet wash the front drive. Anyone been doing that in the spring? Jet washing the front drive? Okay. Well our drive hadn't been done for more than 10 years and there were more weeds growing through it than there were on the lawn. It was an absolute state. So I started I stopped moaning about the fact that Leon hadn't done it (laughs) and I just got on with the job. What I didn't realise was that it would take more than five hours and I would end up covered in mud from head to toe. I've got a very attractive picture of me involved in the task. (laughs) It's not my best look, is it, really? Now that's courageous this morning, showing you such a terrible picture. I'm not quite sure why my tongue's out. I don't know whether I'm spitting mud or whether I'm sticking my tongue out at Leon and one of the other lovely elders who just wandered back from watching the football (laughs) to laugh at the state that I was in. Now, why did I continue? I didn't realise I was going to end up in that kind of mess. But did I carry on? Yes, I did. What motivated me was the cleanliness of the part that I'd done. Because I saw the impact that it was having, it helped me to carry on and finish the job. Now, I'm not suggesting that this took any real courage, okay? Maybe a bit of determination, but it wasn't one of my most courageous acts. But when I started thinking about some of the attitudes and habits in my life that I've been committed to changed, I realised that sometimes they'd remained simply good intentions. I'd never even made a start. And then there was others that I'd made a start... But then I'd turned back and I'd, I'd kind of lost courage along the way. It maybe got a bit messy. I'd become a bit tired of the hard work involved and just decided to stop. On other occasions, I simply ran out of fight. It was easier to slide back into more comfortable routines. Is this sounding familiar for any of you guys? Can you think of any things that have happened in your life where you've been in exactly that same place? But you know what? Sometimes going back isn't possible. There are no alternatives to the work God's doing in our lives, other than to work through the circumstances we face. We might not want to go back, or we might want to go back um, to make it easier. We might want to give up, but these are not an option. There's a great quote from The Hobbit, and it says, Go back, he thought, no good at all. Go sideways, impossible. Go forward, only thing to do. On we go. So up he got and trotted along with his little sword held in front of him and one hand feeling the wall and his heart all of a patter and a pitter. There are some situations in your life that you'd love to find a way around. An illness that doesn't seem to be getting better. Maybe family situations you can't resolve. Work that leaves you feeling trapped. Caring responsibilities which feel too heavy to bear any longer. Sometimes God teaches us most through perseverance, keeping on, just keeping on, doing what is right. You might not be able to see ahead very clearly, and your heart might be all of a patter and a pitter, but you're not alone and you are not ill-equipped. Remember Ephesians 6? You have a shield of faith to protect you, and you have a sword in your hand, the sword is the spirit of the word of God. You are never alone you can do it. Even if you don't feel like you've made much progress today, remember, courage doesn't always roar. Sometimes courage is the quiet voice at the end of the day saying, I'll try again tomorrow.
0: Wow. So, courage requires a choice, courage to start, courage to stop, courage to continue. But the second thing we want to say, we want to land with this, is the courage requires an energy beyond yourself. It is about digging deep. It is about finding something within yourself. But it also requires an energy beyond yourself. And, and I think that the energy of others is absolutely crucial. I'm a child of the 80s in terms of my teenage years. And uh, one of my favourite songs, Here I Go Again on My Own. Anyone remember that song? Down the only road, what is it, the lonely road? Uh, Like a drifter, I was born to walk alone and I made up my mind, I ain't wasting no more time. What a load of rubbish. Because when you make that commitment that you're a drifter going down the road on your own and here I go again on my own, you're cutting yourself off from the energy of others. 59 times in the Bible, the Bible talks about one another. The early Christians gathered together. They were together when when the Holy Spirit came in Pentecost. After they were threatened by the Sanhedrin, they gathered together and prayed. It's so important that we gather together. And in Acts 14, there's an incredible little story and it says this, Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered round him, he got up and went back into the city. So he got courage Not just from on his own, but the disciples gathered round him. And the Bible doesn't say what they did when they gathered round him. But I think we know, don't we? They gathered round him and they prayed. And after they prayed, he got up and he dusted himself down. And God gave him, through others, the courage to go back into the city. I want to say some things, and I'm going to speak mostly to men. But this is equally true of women, but maybe not equally Maybe it is true of women, but this is, this is some of our issues. It takes courage to ask for help. You are not weak when you ask for help. You're actually strong. This is my favourite quote of all time. Um, your greatest strength is not when you can prove that you don't need anyone. Your greatest strength is when you no longer have to prove you can go it or do it alone. It takes courage to ask for help. It takes courage to show your real self and to be vulnerable. Some of you will know the work and the writing of Brené Brown, an incredible writer. She says this, vulnerability is the last thing I want you to see in me, but the first thing I look for in you. Isn't that the truth? Men, it takes courage to be vulnerable, to say, hey, I'm struggling. I've got some fears. I've got some anxiety. I've got some challenges. It takes courage to do that. It is not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of strength. And it takes courage to receive feedback. Again, Brené Brown says, without feedback, there can be no transformative change. And we've run out of time this morning and we're going to talk a little bit about our own story and about times in our life and family when we've had to be vulnerable, had to ask for help. Many of you know us well, you know a lot of those situations. And it's been really difficult. I remember... Um, when we took Simeon, when we, when we were looking for the a, a, a first care home that Simeon went to, I remember being so proud and so there's no way I'm going to put a child of mine in a place like that. I remember all of that and I remember how Jesus just cut through all that to say, Leon, you need help. Do not be so proud that you won't receive the help that I have for you. And I don't know where we would be today if we hadn't allowed that pride in me to be broken and that vulnerability, and that crying out for help. And you guys as a community have provided us with incredible energy and strength over the years. I don't think we would be here in leadership if it wasn't for the love and the care that we've had from you guys as a church and from many others. So listen, don't do life alone. You weren't designed to do life alone. We need the energy of others if we're gonna develop the habitude of courage. And there's one final thing that we need that Alison's gonna share
1: very quickly (laughs) so we need the energy of the Holy Spirit in Acts 1 verse 8 it says but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you okay you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you we can all be brave and act courageously out of our own resources on occasions with the support of others after all we're made in the image of God and if I were to ask you to tell me a time when you'd acted bravely you could tell me all of you But developing a courageous habitude is something else. If we want to live a consistently courageous life to love people like Jesus does, keep going when life's a bit rubbish, remain humble when things are going well, to become more like Jesus, then we need the power of his Holy Spirit. And you can't find that through a self-help book or coaching. Although both of those might be helpful along the way as additional things. But actually trying hard to live a courageous life on its own doesn't work. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. The power to live our best life comes from the Holy Spirit, walking with Jesus, developing great habitudes. It only comes from God, who is bigger than we could ever imagine and loves us beyond our wildest expectations. I wonder if the band could come back up for us, please. You know, as I was preparing for today, I was listening to that song that we sang earlier. um, And we'll be singing it again in a minute. And there was a line from the song that just stuck out to me again and took on new meaning. Isn't it great when our songs do that for us? And the line that stood out was, help me reach the faith that's underneath. Help me reach the faith that's underneath. And I wonder if that's what you need from God today. You need help to find faith that's underneath that deep faith that's underneath all of your doubts, faith that's underneath all of your fears, and knowledge that God knows you and God understands you. And perhaps this is a moment for you when you might be scared. That's what you're feeling, but brave is what you're going to do.
0: So what we want to do is we want to pray for you guys today. Okay, we're going to end up praying for all of you. But just as Ben starts to play, maybe some of you this morning, and I know we've gone over time, so just go with us for a few minutes here. This is so important. Maybe some of you feel beaten up today. Maybe some of you feel like Paul, that you've been dragged outside or you've been given a good kicking in in your life right now. And what you desperately want is you want some courage because you want to go, go back in. You want to go back in. You want to go again. And maybe that's you this morning. We would love to pray for you. So if that's you, we'd love you just to stand. Maybe you just feel beaten up a little bit in life right now. Just stand right where you are. That's great. Any other, just stand. Just stand. It takes courage to be vulnerable, to ask for help. You just stand. And what I want to do is as people are standing, and there's more of you that are going to stand, I'm sure, if you're sat down now, just look around the people that are stood and just go gather around them for a little bit. Would you do that? Just go gather around them. Just go gather around them. Just go gather around them. just lay hands on them and just, you just begin to pray just begin to pray for them and if you're a guest this morning and we don't do this often on a Sunday it's not weird okay it's just family coming together and saying hey we've all been beaten up we've all known what it is to get a bit of a kick in in life and, but God right now we want to ask Jesus we want to ask that by the power of your spirit you would bring courage to these men and women that you would bring courage into their hearts and into their lives, that you would speak strength and boldness into them. And Lord, as they get up and dust themselves down and go back again, Lord, they may be scared, but that's a feeling. What they're going to do is they're going to be brave. They're going to go and do it, even if they're scared. So Jesus, would you encourage them? Would you strengthen them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Now, I just want to take a minute to pray for the men. Men, could you stand up for a minute? Jesus. Do you know what? Men are under incredible attack. Godly men. You know, it's very hard to live a godly, righteous life as yeah. a man in our culture. And I just want to spend a minute praying for you. as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about another line in the psalm. And there's a line in the song that says, when the silence steals my voice. Do you know, men are talked about all the time as needing to be strong and silent. You don't need to be silent. But silence doesn't need to steal your voice. You have a voice and you have a place in our society. And you guys are really important. I just want to take a minute to pray for you. God, I thank you so much for these guys that have stood before you, young and old and everything in between. God, thank you for the courage that they've exhibited through all of their life, the courage that's brought them here, the courage that will stay with them as they leave here, the courage that they will exercise during this week. And God, I pray you will give them a strong voice. If they're struggling, Lord, give them the courage to say, help me. If they're not, give them the courage to stand with others who need help. God, I pray By the power of your Holy Spirit, will you encourage and guide and equip these guys in the week to come? Give them courage. Make them brave. Not action man brave. Godly brave. Because we ask it in your name.
0: Amen. Amen. Guys, if you sit for a minute. Ladies, would you stand? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Jesus, I want to thank you so much for these incredible women standing in your presence here this morning. Lord, I want to thank you for all the incredible women that bring Jesus into my life and have done and, and are doing and just just incredible things and in modelling to me what, what you're like. And Jesus, I want to affirm them this morning. And we pray, God, for every single one of them. Those of them that are mothers those of them that aren't those of them that are in the workplace those of them that aren't those that would consider themselves to be leaders and maybe those that don't lord every single one of them making a contribution for the king of kings and jesus i want to pray god would you would you release them lord out of that sticky floor maybe And Lord, that glass ceiling that they always have to seek him to bat against. God, we thank you that many of them have the courage to break that glass ceiling. God, and we as men, we want to play our part in helping them do that and being all that you've ordained them to be. Jesus, we thank you for the the female voices that get spoken into this church and, and bring leadership in the kids and in the youth and on the stage and in small groups. And God, we pray for more of that. Father, we pray, I pray for every woman here. God, would you give them the courage that they need to face the challenge of this day. And Jesus, we just pray, God, that you would cause them to be all that you have purposed them to be. Not their background, not their past, not what culture says, not what experiences have have dictated. God, what you say about them in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Why don't we all stand? just as we finish we want to pray if any of you want individual prayer this morning there's a prayer room over here uh, there's a prayer team would love to pray for you but as we as we finish why don't we just together just sing that little refrain I will rest in the father's hands leave the rest in the father's hands and, and as you do that even picture that fear that you have and, and, and place it into his hands And say, I'm going to place that into his hands because that's a feeling but I'm going to be brave because he makes me brave let's sing as we finish